This episode is brought to you by ABC. Station 19 is back for its final and hottest season yet. Andy finally becomes captain, and she's going to give it her all to be the best leader the station has ever seen. Will she succeed? Get ready for fiery new romances and high adrenaline rescues. Watch the Station 19 season premiere tonight at a new time, 10, 9 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. Ah, mmm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to Caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at Caskers.com. You are about to hear the most interesting, informative, thought-provoking, opinion-leading, and funny show in America, on air and on the World Wide Web. This is The Rob Carson Show. And we refuse to be pessimistic about the history of the country. You know why? Because we determine it. There you go. If you're tired of the nonsense, say no. There you go. That's another idea. A lot of uh, malfeasance is being uh, exposed. A lot of uh, a lot of nonsense being uh, exposed, and a lot of people are saying, "Yeah, we're kind of done with it. We're kind of done with it." Whether that be uh, Bud Light, or whether that be Fox News, or whether that be the deep state, all of these are under intense uh, scrutiny because uh, people are kind of tired of the uh, of the nonsense. Um, and by the way, if you want an outlet for uh, for uh, you know n- anything but nonsense, watch Chris Plant's new show. Tonight on Newsman. That was a terrible segue. It was a terrible. But anyway, Chris Plant's got a new show tonight at 9 o'clock. And I think you're really going to enjoy him. Uh, we hope to get him on this week. I've been uh, talking to him over the weekend via text, and I didn't want to bother him today. As, you know, you're launching his show. The last thing you need to do is a, uh, a radio hit. But that said, it's on tonight at 9 o'clock. If you check it out, it'd be great. And then vote on the, the poll that we're conducting with Newsmax, whether or not you want to see Tucker Carlson on Newsmax. What? Yeah. Yeah, why not that, huh? Why not? Uh, just text the word event to 39747. 39747. Let America know you want Tucker on Newsmax. Okay. That would be pretty cool. Oh, by the way, here's some other uh, you know things going on. I'm going to get to uh, Tucker Carlson audio in a second. It's pretty amazing. Uh, over the weekend, um, a lot of people have been coming out with this uh, Jordan Neely. Jordan Neely uh, is this uh, hero they're trying to make into, not a hero. Uh, the left is trying to make him into some sort of a George Floyd uh, character, even though he uh, literally had been arrested 42 times. Uh, he had beaten a 64-year-old man, a 67-year-old woman. And, uh, and apparently on the day that he was uh, taken down his last day on the planet, he was on the... Uh, the subway train where he was uh, he had been uh, known to be high on synthetic weed even his uh, relatives have said that he was self-medicating with synthetic weed you know that stuff that makes some people eat other people's faces off uh, but other than that it's it's great stuff and he was also shouting about he was ready to die after throwing things at people and hitting people and this Marine saying, I'm going to take him out. I'm going to put him out a little bit, maybe let him go a little night-night. And everybody on the train was thanking the Marine for doing it because they all felt threatened by it. And uh, and now the left is screaming that he's another George Floyd. But uh, like so many things with the left, they are morally and intellectually bankrupt. And this will all do a face plant. 
Some people call me Al Sharpton. This is uh, Jim Gossett, by the way. Some call me a race-baiting clown. I can think of worse. Like making Jordan Neely a victim. <laughs> when he terrorized everyone in town. He's a hero. People say exploiting the tragedy. It's what you do. To make a buck is wrong, it's so wrong. <laughs> Not if you're a Democrat. <laughs> but don't you worry, don't you worry about me, baby. No, baby, don't worry about me. Because I've been shaking folks down for so long. That's how he, he affords $5,000. Yeah, Shoot. I'm a faker. Yeah. I'm a taker. I'm a headline maker. <laughs> A charlatan, I must confess. He's a charlatan. Freely, Jordan Neely was a criminal, really. <laughs> but that don't cause me no distress. No, that, that. I'm greedy, I'm needy. Some people call me seedy. Oh, yeah, big time. I never paid the IRS. Hang on, that is uh, Jim Gossett. <laughs> <laughs> as Al Sharpton. Uh, if you want to help out Jim, you can go to his uh, Patreon page, P-A-T-R-E-O-N, at uh, Jim Gossett Comedy. And, uh, you know, give him, a, give him a little help. Give him a little something. You can give him a one-time donation, 10 bucks. You can make it 5 bucks a month, whatever. But uh, if you want to hear all of his stuff unfettered, uh, it's right there. And I'd appreciate it if you could, uh, you could help a brother out. <clears throat> anyway, so uh, Donald Trump, uh, he gave a, a deposition with regard to a, uh, an accusation of rape by E. Jean Carroll. Uh, I'll, just, I'll, just, uh, I'll just reserve my comments for E. Jean Carroll. But uh, E. Jean Carroll's attorney was, uh, was questioning Donald Trump. Her name is Roberta Kaplan. And, uh, and Donald Trump had a... Oh, and by the way, why is this E. Jean Carroll uh, lawsuit not uh, on the front page like the Alvin Bragg uh, deposition and, or the uh, you know, arrest or whatever, turning himself in? Why, why isn't it getting all the, the play in the media? Because everybody knows it's a load of crap. That's, that's what it is. Even the mainstream media knows it's a load of crap. It, it, it's, there's no standing whatsoever. And that's one of the reasons why this deposition by Donald Trump is so, is so awesome. Uh, here he is talking about E. Jean Carroll, uh, who is this woman who's, uh, well, let's just say she probably has a lot of cats. I'll, I'll just say probably has a lot of cats, probably has a, uh, a walkway through the garbage piles to her, uh, to her main bedroom. But anyway, here is, uh, here is uh, Donald Trump talking about E. Jean Carroll and how he would never, he would never commit such an act. That, that she's not my type? Yeah, because it's not politically correct to say it, and I know that, but I'll say it anyway. He says, uh, you're not my type. Here is uh, Donald Trump saying that uh, uh, E. Jean Carroll is not his type. That's why this is so unrealistic. This is obviously very, very politically incorrect. A woman that I have no idea who she is. It came out of the blue. She's accusing me of rape of raping her the worst thing you can do the worst charge and and you know it's you know it's not true too you're a political operative also you're disgrace you're a disgrace but she's wow. accusing me and so are you of rape <laughs> and it never took place and i will tell you i made that statement and i said well it's politically incorrect 
She's not my type, and that's a hundred percent true. She's who who would? I mean, honestly, this is uh, this is pretty uh, amazing of Donald Trump to uh, say this. Uh, not only of her attorney uh, being a political hack, which she is, by the way, a complete political hack, but also that E. Jean Carroll, not even his type. Oh, and then he added this to it. When you said in that video that Ms. Leeds would not be your first choice, you were referring to her physical looks, correct? Just the overall. Not, not, I look at her, I see her, I hear what she says, whatever. You wouldn't be a choice of mine either, to be honest with you. I hope you're not insulted. I would not, under any circumstances, have any interest in you. Wow. I'm, being, I'm honest when I say it. Wow. Uh, she, I would not have any interest. Wow. That is, uh, that's pretty, uh, pretty epic of uh, Donald Trump to say such a thing in the deposition. Oh, just uh, spectacular. The case is not going anywhere because it's a bunch of nonsense. That's why the mainstream media isn't covering it. Uh, Tucker Carlson is either preparing to work for a, uh, on his own or, or for someone else. He's preparing to work uh, for uh, a uh, Fox News competitor. This is according to Axios, citing multiple unnamed sources. Close to Carlson, the idea that anyone is going to silence Tucker Carlson, prevent him from speaking to his audience is beyond preposterous. That is according to Brian Friedman, Carlson's attorney, who spoke to Axios about the dispute. And this is good news because um, I don't care what contract you got, you can't shut down somebody's right to freedom of expression, and that's apparently what they want to do. Friedman, by the way, is a Hollywood heavyweight attorney who's also representing uh, Don Lemon. Yeah, he's uh, representing Don Lemon. Carlson is plotting a media empire of his own, according to Axios. May be held up in the endeavor since his contract at Fox does not expire until January 2025. The outlet also reported that Fox, listen to this, and Elon Musk have been in conversation about working together. Whoa. Sources told Axios Carlson is mulling a direct-to-consumer model to deliver content to viewers. Twitter relaunched its creator's subscription program in April. What? Which provides a means to creators to monetize their content on the platform. Well, that's kind of interesting because I've been demonetized on YouTube and Facebook and everybody because I'm a conservative. For next year, uh, Twitter CEO Elon Musk said Twitter will keep none of the subscription fees. So there you go. Uh, kind of interesting. There's a possibility of him going. Who knows? He might end up on Newsmax. I don't know. I've been asked. I, don't, I have no idea. Carlson was fired from the network last month after 14 years. Paid $20 million a year. And uh, uh, they're coming to him and saying, do you want me to hit Fox? An unidentified close friend of Carlson told the outlet he's been saying, no, I want to get this done quiet and clean. Uh, and now we're going to DEFCON 1, his team said. His team is preparing for war. He wants his freedom from Fox. Another source close to Carlson added that Carlson knows where a lot of bodies are buried. He's ready to start drawing a map at Fox. Huh. Carlson is said to have uh, contacted by Rumble and Newsmax. Oddly enough, Dan, uh, Dan Bongino is a principal at Rumble and was one of the owners of Parlor that was purchased and shut down the same week that Tucker Carlson was fired and Dan Bongino were fired. Weird. Sources uh, close to Carlson say he's considering building a direct-to-consumer uh, media outlet where millions could pay to watch him. Hopefully it's better than Fox Nation because he shredded that there. 
So apparently he was at the uh, uh, the Oxford Performing Arts Center, Oxford, Alabama, on Thursday for an annual fundraiser. Said, I'm probably the first unemployed person you, will, you ever invited to speak. And uh, he, he said, it's funny, I never give speeches because I'm working. When I accepted this speech six months ago, I didn't realize how much free time I would have. So uh, here is uh, Tucker Carlson over the weekend talking about, uh, for instance, Donald Trump. Uh, and I've got some uh, polling on, uh, on Trump, DeSantis, Trump, Biden, and all that coming up. We won't spend a lot of time on it. More importantly, black voters saying, you know, I think uh, we're done with the Democrat Party, and we're really, really super done with Joe Biden. But here is uh, Tucker talking to, uh, in an interview with, uh, I'm trying to remember her name, uh, Congresswoman from Hawaii. Anyway, uh, here is Tucker Carlson. Yes, Tulsi Gabbard. There you go. Thanks. Had a little brain fart there. A little brain flatulence uh, about why he changed his mind on Donald Trump. I wasn't against the system at all. Really what changed me was watching Trump in 2015. And I knew Trump before, I mean, because I'm in the media, so I'd known Trump, you know, not well, but I'd known him for, I don't know, 15 years before, right? And this, by the way, pivots into why Tucker Carlson... Uh, Trump made him really realize what was going on in Washington, D.C. with regard to the deep state. A long time. And I was like, I thought he was kind of a buffoon. I still think that sometimes. But what changed my view wasn't Trump. It was the reaction to Trump among my ah. neighbors. Hmm. Ah. So Trump would say something in his, like, florid, orange way, you know, <laughs> like, why are we funding NATO? Yeah. And that was the one that got me. I remember this. And I'd never questioned NATO. I no. never, because I grew up during the Cold War, and NATO was sure. the bulwark against Soviet aggression into Western Europe. Oh, yeah. and, like, my yeah. dad worked, as I said, worked for the government. So, like, we were totally for NATO. Why wouldn't you be? But that ended in August of 1991. I was on my honeymoon when the Soviet Union collapsed, but we still had NATO in 2015. Yeah. Like, what was the point? Mm. And I'd never thought about it in my life. And Trump's like, why are we funding NATO? And I thought that was a really interesting question. Okay, well, yeah. I don't know why. What's the answer? And my neighbors are like, shut up! He yeah. must be killed! It's like, okay, yeah. but maybe shut up, maybe he must be killed. But what's the answer to the, like, why are we funding NATO? Is there he also said China was our enemy. Good reason? Shut up! Yeah. They were so hysterical about obvious and basically common sense questions about the way things were working that that was a tell to me. I was I was stunned by it, actually. I was like, reasonable people who are acting out of honorable motives should be happy or at least willing to explain themselves. Like, what? Yes. hey, Telsey, why are you doing that? If yeah. you're like, shut up, then that yeah. tells me like you're doing something wrong. If you're like, well, here's exactly. why I'm doing it. You may disagree, yeah. but here's why. Yeah, and that's why the government called everything you said that was the opposite of government policy disinformation and misinformation because that way you don't have to have a discussion about it Isn't that kind of interesting a little bit more from tucker on the other side and then uh, we're going to talk about uh black voters backing biden but with no enthusiasm also uh <laughs> reparations uh apparently gaining steam in california another reason to uh, wall off california from the rest of the country the number here by the way if you want to chime in is 800-922-6680 it's a monday edition of the rob carson show back in a second FBI, DHS, IRS, CDC, HHS, all complete BS. It's the Rob Carson Show. Here's Tucker Carlson with Tulsi Gabbard about uh, people just having an opinion, and suddenly the federal government is shutting it down. And my neighbors are like, shut up! He yeah. must be killed! It's like, okay, but 
maybe shut up, maybe you must be killed. But what's the answer to the, like, why are we funding NATO? Is there a good reason? Shut up! Yeah. They were so hysterical about obvious and basically common sense questions about the way things were working that that was a tell to me. I was I was stunned by it, actually. I was like, reasonable people who are acting out of honorable motives should be happy or at least willing to explain themselves. Yeah. Like, yes. Hey, Telsey, why are you doing that? If you're like, right. shut up, then that yeah. tells me like- There's information. You're doing something wrong. If that's, well, exactly. here's why I'm doing it. You may disagree, yeah. but here's why. Yeah. They couldn't do that on mm. any topic. Immigration mm. policy. I was already, I've never been like, my best friend's an immigrant. I've never been against like immigrants or anything, but I was like, you should have control of your border. And Trump, in his Trumpian way, was basically arguing for that. Why do you suppose he's public enemy number one? They, I'm talking about Trump. They just couldn't deal. They couldn't deal with any questions about the way things were then operating. Mm -hmm. And when I saw that, that just completely exploded my view of the system. I was like, this system is a lot more fragile than I realized it's a lot less legitimate than I realized. And then just the whole four years of Trump. And like, he'd say something that was like truly insane. Like the intel agencies are spying on me. And you're like, okay, the intel agencies are not spying on Like, what, you know what I mean? Right. What are you like, a, it was a moon landing fake too? Right. And then you'd find out like a year later, actually the intel agencies were spying on him. And yeah. Yeah, yeah, there you go. Yeah, everything. And I, and I told you when the mainstream media, big social media and the deep state say that what you believe is misinformation or disinformation, it means you know the truth. There you go. <laughs> I mean, I've been saying it, this little talk show host here, you know, with this, uh, this, uh, this radio show that's uh, growing. Said it a long time ago. There's something going on. Tucker got it. And here's Tucker basically saying that, that Congress is owned by these same crooked intel agencies. They're members of Congress who are controlled by the intel agencies. I'm not speculating on this. You know, I, I lived there for 35 years. Yeah, yeah, I right. know this. Yeah. I had a very high-ranking, very high-ranking member of the House Intel Committee tell me at dinner at a restaurant in Washington when he'd been drinking, we got to talk about this. And I said, oh, I'll text you. He goes, I, I can't text. And huh. I said, why is that? And huh. he goes, well, because NSA reads my text. And I wow. said, NSA reads it. Wait, you're the head guy on the intelligence committee you're their boss you're providing <laughs> oversight in our constitution, constitutional system he's like yeah but you know they're still spying at me chuck For schumer said that the intel committee has a thousand ways to sunday to get you that's what he said about donald trump first thing second thing michael mccall right. who is you know <laughs> the leader of i would say the neocons uh in the house kind of low-key uh neocons yeah. but yeah. but neocons um what, I got into an argument with him once last year on the phone. He told somebody that I was a Russian agent or something. And I was outraged. <laughs> so I called him on the phone. And I, you know, I used bad language. I was really mad. And uh, he said, whoa, whoa, whoa. I, I just got that. You know, that's what the intel briefers told me, that you were working for Russia. And I said, that's what the intel briefers told you? Yeah, yeah. You believe your intel brief? Like, how yeah. old are you, son? You know, yeah. I'm from D.C. My dad was in this world. Like, <laughs> yeah. you don't, you're being manipulated by your intel briefers. 100%. 100%. And fortunately, we are beginning to see the, uh, the truth about all of this. About all of this. About uh, government malfeasance. About uh, interfering in elections and all that. I wrote a, uh, a really good monologue on it. And I'm going to share it with you uh, shortly on the show when I get some time. It's a couple of pages long, and it's to talk about, essentially, um, election interference. And, and, uh, and also, the, the, uh, you know, you've heard the trope, 
voter fraud doesn't exist in the country. Voter fraud does not exist in the United States. I said, well, yeah. Yeah, it does. They said uh, saying that voter fraud doesn't exist in the United States is like saying uh, murder doesn't happen in the United States. It's a complete, uh, it's complete nonsense. And then I kind of got to thinking about how they're able to say that with such impunity, that there's no uh, voter fraud in the country. And I will explain to you that it's, it's about word manipulation is really what it's all about. When actually uh, our federal government uh, the IRS, the uh, the DHS, the the FBI, the DOJ, the, the all of them have been uh, inter- in, involved in interfering with elections in favor of Democrats going back well over a decade. It's all right there. It's crazy, isn't it? Kind of crazy. Uh, coming up, black voters are uh, no longer enthusiastic about Joe Biden. And then we'll try to get to my monologue on uh, what was been hiding in plain sight for about 15 years. This is the Rob Carson Show. Don't go anywhere, guys. Shipping can make or break a sale, so optimize how you ship your orders with ShipStation. They make it easy to automate and manage orders no matter how big your business grows. And they might even be able to help reduce shipping and warehouse costs. So optimize and keep up your momentum for growth with ShipStation. Sign up for your free 60-day trial now at ShipStation.com and use the code P-O-D. That's ShipStation.com with the code P-O-D. I will take care of this. I will end this. I will make sure we have a plan. He got 81 million votes. Yeah, right. It's the Rob Carson Show. Don't worry. Newsmax is reporting that California's Reparations Committee has put forward an approval of reparations and an apology from the state of California for slavery that never happened in the state of California. So there you go. That's the sort of nonsense that I'm uh, that I'm talking about uh, with regard to uh, all of the things that are happening in this country that are nonsensical. And uh, this uh, reparations thing has, uh, has been a seed germinating forever in Amer- the American left. Uh, it is a way of uh, assuaging the Democrat Party of the guilt that it should feel for the policies that have destroyed the black family, that have uh, promoted uh, for, uh, well, let's, let's face it, the Democrat Party, the party of slavery, the Republican Party created uh, to be anti-slavery, and, uh, and Democrats have never uh, done any better since then. They were the party of Jim Crow. They were the party of the creator of uh, Planned Parenthood, Margaret Sanger, who wanted, was, a, was an avowed racist, and eugenist wanted to, wanted to basically get rid of black people. And my, what a, what a wonderful job. Planned Parenthood did toward those ends uh, to the tune of about 20 million uh, babies of color being killed before they were ever born, ever born. And uh, and the Democrat Party uh, likes to uh, uh, say that they have 95 percent of the black vote and uh, they've never really delivered on anything. Uh, and I've and I've said this, and it's resonated with a lot of people. I say that the Democrat Party, what they do with the black vote is they promise and they say things are going to get better, and we're going to do this, and we're going to do that, and we're going to fix the schools, and we're going to take care of this and all that. And and in the meantime, in inner cities like Baltimore, the black state of being has plummeted into the pits of hell, and another generation of young black kids in inner cities is going to be lost. And it's really, really sad. I've been talking about it for a very long time. And uh, it is uh, frustrating and awful. 
because my heart is with those kids who uh, frequently face an uphill climb uh, for a number of reasons. Uh, 80% of them raised without fathers, um, an abortion rate above 60% in America's inner cities, schools that are failing them in such epic fashion, you can't even begin to quantify how badly the schools are in uh, Democrat-run cities like Baltimore, like Chicago, to the tune of zero students in 26 schools being able to do math or reading at grade level. That's how bad it is. And so the Democrat Party is uh, just kind of always expected the Democrats or our black people to vote Democrat. And that's the way it's always been. And what they do is they get those votes, and then the day after the election, they leave some money on the dresser. Same goes with women. All they care about with women is abortion, abortion, abortion. They'll give a rat's behind about women, women in sports, women being displaced by men claiming to be women. They don't care. All they care about is that you vote for them because abortion. That's it. And then they leave the money on the dresser the next morning. I've been saying this forever. Uh, This is a new article. uh, Black voters backing uh, Biden, but no enthusiasm. Destiny Humphreys, less than enthusiastic, 22-year-old senior, South Carolina State, the state's only public historically black college or university, or HBCU. She's disappointed in the president, feeling his accomplishments have so far not lived up to his promises. Well, he's been in Washington for 50 years. Why does this surprise you? Honestly, I feel like right now America is in a state of emergency. We need some real change, said Humphreys, who remains unsure about her vote in next year's election. After a dismal start in the 2020 presidential campaign, black voters in South Carolina rallied behind Biden, reviving his ambitions to be president. And at the outset of Biden's election, re-election bid, the the conflicting views among the same voters provide an early warning sign uh, of the challenges he faces. And he aims to revive the diverse coalition, if he aims to revive the diverse coalition that proved so uh, crucial uh, to him before. Uh, No, not at all diverse uh, whatsoever. As far as uh, ideologically, not not one little bit diverse as far as uh, Joe Biden's campaign. The campaign says its confidence in its message and is planning to highlight how the president has prioritized issues that are important to black Americans. How has the state of black America gotten better under Joe Biden? Real quick. Anybody? 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 Anyone? Yeah, it has. It's gotten a lot worse. It's gotten a lot worse. And there are some people who actually care about black people uh, who just happen to be not Democrats. It's really ridiculous. Black adults say, uh, 41% say they want Joe Biden to run again. That's not good. Uh, 41% say they want him to get, 55% say they are likely to support him in the general election. So 41% want him to vote, and only 55% of those are likely to support him during a general election. Uh, according to AP VoteCast, the, that support for Republican candidates ticked up slightly among black voters during last year's elections, even though those voters overwhelmingly supported Democrats because, you know, the Democrat plantation, as Hillary Clinton called it. Well, she didn't actually say that. She said that the Republicans were in charge of the plantation. We all know that the Democrat Party is that. Uh, there's a, a student, her name's Courtney McCain. Uh, he wouldn't have uh, gotten uh, elected president without us. And she wants, by God in heaven, if he's going to be the president, she wants him to forgive her student loans. That's a big deal to her. Saying that that whole uh, student loan thing is what's basically keeping her voting for him. She's getting her student loans forgiven, both for her bachelor's degree and planned master's degree, is a top priority. Huh? So that's where she's thinking about voting for Joe Biden. She, you know, she expects her uh, student loans to be paid. Bailey Scott is a junior in college. She says, so I guess I'm going to have to pick a lesser evil. And as of right now, that does seem like Joe Biden and Kamala Harris. 
Uh, another uh, uh, Biden supporter, Laddie Howard, uh, is uh, owns a business making handcrafted leather goods in Sumter, South Carolina, just west of Columbia. Says uh, that uh, he would like to see other candidates enter the race, but knows that's not realistic. Meaning, you know, a lot of people would like to see uh, even uh, Robert Kennedy Jr. run, but the Democrat Party is doing a uh, a good job at. Uh, well, there are words I could use to kill his campaign, but I won't do that. I, I would kind of like to see Robert Kennedy Jr. run third party just to really throw the Democrats into a tailspin. We'll see what happens. But I, um, I've always taken particular um, issue with uh, reparations for slavery um, because my family, uh, you know, and with white privilege and all that, my family, I grew up poor. Um, I started working in farm fields when I was like 10 years old. Um, went through a pretty abusive childhood, uh, bullied in school. Uh, I can go on and on and on. And, and every day I, you know, climbed out, I, I fought. And, uh, and so when my son, who was born in two, uh, 1999, when he started going to elementary school in Maryland and, and I started hearing these cries that he is somehow uh, privileged, I, I had to, uh, uh, laugh to begin with. And then I realized how, um, how he was going to be discriminated against and how anybody saying that, uh, if you don't agree with that, that, that all white people are privileged, then somehow you're racist. When I know for a fact that in this country, uh, the lion's share of the population existed in poverty, both black, white, every ethnic group for, uh, a good share of our, of our history. I mean, you look at the, the boroughs of, of New York City, uh, there wasn't a white privilege back in the 1910s and 20s. It was abject poverty, the most deplorable working conditions and ghettos you could possibly imagine. And they were inhabited by European immigrants of uh, uh, the Caucasoid persuasion. So this nonsense that somehow uh, white people have been given uh, carte blanche and, and could just, you know, live this life of luxury is is nonsensical. But that said, it's got a lot of people convinced that they are victims despite uh, poor decisions made in their own lives and uh, and poor Democrat policies, because that's what I believe is behind this. It's covering up uh, at least 50 years of horrendous Democrat policies that have destroyed the black family, particularly in inner city America, including uh, Johnson's uh, Great Society. That said, this is a, a California task force. Uh, is calling for an $800 billion reparations plan, even though um, there, is, uh, there was no slavery in California. Um, and, uh, and clearly, uh, Democrats are looking at this as some sort of a payday that could garner some votes. Here's some of the audio from, and this is the new thing, by the way. This is what they're going to go after Joe Biden with. Uh, and then this isn't black people. This is the radical left. And uh, they are going to demand that reparations be a part of Joe Biden's presidential platform. Here's some of the audio. Pay the debt, cut the check, or no reparations, no vote 2024. If you are running for office, do not think you are going to win your election if you don't have a concrete plan for reparations. Biden, do not seek a second term unless it's accompanied by an executive order for reparations for descendants of American chattel slavery. So now this is a threat to the current sitting president, the man that they put in office, um, to say, if you don't make this a nationwide executive order, you don't get back in the White House. I mean, this Wow, that is, uh, that's pretty interesting. And I'm going to tell you right now, 
that the day that the federal government or my state goes along with reparations, people who are never slaves, uh, and uh, and demand that that even poor people, Asian, Indian, white people, whatever, pay for it, is the day that I say bleep you. I'm not paying another dime in taxes, not one dime of taxes. There you go, and and I'll face uh, the law with regard to that, and I will sue them, but I won't pay a dime. I will not pay a dime of taxes if my state or the federal government decides to pay people who were never slaves from money from people who never owned slaves. Not going to happen. Not one little bit. But, you know, this is what's going on in academia. This is an interesting clip I, I found over the weekend. Uh, and it's a, it's a, it was on a, a TikTok account. And it's called uh, uh, Dear White People. And this is a, a very well-dressed, presumably uh, very privileged uh, person of color who's in, in college uh, calling out even poor white people about how privileged they are. Dear White People, I don't even know where to start. In between my busy schedule comprised entirely of surviving white America, there is simply no time to write letters. Besides, any letter I write will most likely bring tears to your eyes, and I, for one, have had my fill of white tears. Yeah, you need to listen to my childhood if you want to hear some tears. I, I will do a book about it eventually, and you better bring the Kleenexes, because, man, was it a bleep show. There are days I think you aren't worth my ink, <laughs> that your whiteness is draining me of too much energy. Can't give you a taste of the tea. Oh, here, let me make you drain more energy. I'm throwing some white vibes at you. Draining you of your of your energy. For fear you'll colonize the whole kitchen. <laughs> colonize the kitchen. <laughs> wow. But today, yes. I am too angry to remain silent. Oh, good. That's right. Dear white people. Yes. Stop making everything about you and how uncomfortable you are. I honestly... I never, never did that in my life, actually. Not one little bit. By the way, on slavery reparations on Dr. Phil's show. Don't support reparations. Why not? Not everybody suffered equally. I mean, when you go into uh, slavery, it's more, much more complex than uh, white people were the oppressors and black people were the victims. If you, if you dissect it, you will find there were about 3,700 free blacks who owned 12,000 slaves, black slaves. The question is, do the descendants of those free blacks who own black slaves, do they pay black? Yeah, and I, and I also want to ask this question. Because my uh, biological relatives, my ancestors, came here after the uh, turn of the 20th century. And so they weren't there for it, right? Uh, and and, and uh, they actually they were, grew up poor farmers in Iowa. And, uh, and they worked very hard for very little money to feed everybody in the country. So why are they being held uh, accountable? This is uh, Brianna Lyman, who's been a, uh, a contributor on this show, and uh, she wrote a terrific piece called uh, Here is Why Your We Deserve Reparations Argument is, uh, is BS. Um, and, uh, and I'm going to post this on social media. I'll, uh, I'll try to riot, read some of this on the air. Um, but uh, but it, was, uh, it was very enlightening with regard to why this reparations movement is happening and why we should, and why it never has worked. And, and the fight for rep reparations has been going on for decades and courts have rejected it roundly and presumably will do so as we move into the future anyway uh here is the number if you want to chime in 800-922-6680 this my friends is the rob carson show to all the brandons out there we salute you and say let's go brandon it's the rob carson show 
So uh, I was looking at this terrific piece um, by Brianna Lyman, who's been a, a guest on the show, um, with regard to reparations, and she says the courts don't seem poised to accept any argument in support of reparations. The Supreme Court, along with lower courts, had consistently ruled that entitlements like reparations are only permissible to remedy discrimination that takes place by the government providing the special treatment. So, for example, the government of 1865, not responsible for slavery and therefore would not be responsible for reparations. The government of 2023 is not responsible for slavery and therefore not responsible for for reparations. Uh, city of Richmond was a, had a black population approximately 50% in 1983. Richmond officials determined that local, state, and national patterns of discrimination created disproportionate access to contracts for black-owned empl- uh, businesses. In order to remedy, remedy the discrepancy, the city of Richmond set a goal in which 30% of the city's construction contracts would be given to black-owned businesses. Okay, the J.A. Croson Company, which lost its contract because the city mandated 30% of the contracts be given to black-owned businesses, sued, and the high court ruled that past societal discrimination alone was not enough to discriminate against white contractors. To accept Richmond's claim that past societal discrimination alone can serve on the as the basis for rigid racial preferences would be to open the door to competing claims for remedial relief for every disadvantaged group. Say no. That's all you got to do. Uh, say no to the nonsense. And let California go to bleep, honestly. If they're going to do reparations, go, let them go for it. Watch California descend even further into hell. And, uh, and eventually, hopefully, we can just wall them off and forget they even exist. Let's go to Jim in Mount Airy, Airy Maryland. Hello, Jim. Welcome to the show. What's on your mind today? Hey, Rob, I'm listening to everything that's going on, what's happening with Biden and the family. When when is somebody going to start running the impeachment flag up the pole to this guy? He's really screwing this country up big time. And all the Democrats are right on board with him. And a lot of Republicans, too, it seems. Well, Jim, there's no possibility of an impeachment happening as long as Democrats own the Senate. I understand understand that. Look what they did to Trump. I know. Get the flag out there and make the man look like he's he's being under under the microscope somehow. Well, Jim, uh, you know Jim Comer and uh, and uh, uh, Chuck Grassley have got this terrific investigation going on. Jim Jordan also has this Intel Committee uh, hearing thing going on. So there are some real positives uh, happening, and those are going to be impactful. It's just that right now impeachment is really, uh, if you're just going to use it for show, uh, I don't, you know, don't really see the point. I think, I think Jim, honestly, and I understand your frustration. I think uh, right now the SS Biden is uh, uh, three or four. Airtight compartments are full of water, and it is nose down, butt up in the water. It's just a matter of uh, what's going to happen before then. I do appreciate the call. Let's go to Anna in Preston, Maryland. Hello, Anna. Welcome to the show. What's going on? Ah, I just need you to help me. What? I need you to tell everybody who's a Trump supporter to hold their nose and listen to CNN on Wednesday. Yes. And support my president. Well, you know, it's not only, it wouldn't really be necessarily supporting CNN, it'd be supporting Trump and giving the middle finger to Fox News, if you want to put it that way. Well, (laughs) I called you last week and I didn't go on the phone. I wanted to know if Newsmax was carrying it so I wouldn't have to hold my nose and play that station. (laughs) I have not played CNN since 2008 and they elected Barack Obama, so they lied. 
Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, I think so. Trump's uh, Trump's interview should be very interesting on Wednesday. I'm looking forward to seeing it. And well, uh, you, just, you just keep telling people to watch. I have called everybody who I was a Trump supporter that's in my circle and neighborhood. And I don't know if it's at eight or nine, but just start at eight and just if it's not on, then clip back to Newsmax. Anna, let me ask I you this question. But Newsmax. Well, thank you. I was that was my next question. Uh, after they fired uh, uh, Tucker, what was your reaction on the Tuesday after that happened? I have not watched Fox News since. Yeah, and I only me... watch Tucker, and I watch Hannity. Which, to be honest with you, when I get up at six in the morning, I start on the radio. I do not listen to news all day long, yeah. but I do put Newsmax on silent so it gets ratings. All right, Anna, listen, I appreciate it. Thanks for the phone call. And make sure to text event to 39747 with your opinions on where Tucker could go. Should he go to Newsmax? Wouldn't that be cool? Again, it's event to 39747. I do appreciate your phone call. Let's take a break. It's the Rob Carson Show. Ah, mmm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to Caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at Caskers.com. You are about to hear the most interesting, informative, thought-provoking, opinion-leading, and funny show in America, on air and on the World Wide Web. This is The Rob Carson Show. And it's Monday. How was the weekend? We had a pretty crazy weekend, right? The uh, Kentucky Derby happened this weekend. Mage, I guess, won. I it was, it was kind of strange. I guess I was too busy uh, doing my, the honeydew list that I completely forgot about it. And then what, King Charles, we have a king, a king of England, king of England, King Charles, which is, you know, a pretty historic event. I'm, you know, I'm not a big royal fan. I know some people are, but, uh, you know, respect to uh, those of you who are uh, uh, followers of, uh, of the royal family, you expats, you know, uh, I think it's uh, interesting. Somebody, what was it this weekend? Uh, somebody, uh, I don't have it in front of me, said that, uh, well, they're all white people, you know, and I was like, yeah, but you know how many monarchies there are in Africa? <laughs> Have you ever noticed how many monarchies there are in Africa? And I'm thinking the coronation of those are pretty much not white. <laughs> so whatever, I think it's it's kind of interesting that uh, and, and I I didn't I don't know I I last time I guess I maybe was interested in the royals was when I was 14 and she got uh, Princess Di married Prince Charles. Remember that? You know, it was kind of a big deal. Way back when, and, <laughs> you know, now he's the uh, he's the king of England. Uh, whatever, what it is, it is what it is. It is what it is, as it uh, as it were. Um, anyway, oh, uh, this uh, this just in: uh, House Judiciary Committee uh, Representative Jim Jordan anticipates providing the public with details that will give even more weight to the revelation that 51 former intelligence officials sought to aid Joe Biden's campaign by using their influence to cast doubt on the Hunter Biden story in 2020. Now, I'm going to talk about that. I'm going to talk about the the uh, intelligence apparatus in the deep state doing this. Okay. So it's not it just for real quick for those of you. You're going to talk about the election. You thought the election was stolen. No, I'm not. No, 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 no. I'm going to talk about this right here. That's what I'm going to do. So settle down. <clears throat> 
Jim Jordan says, frankly, there's more stuff coming on the issue that I think gives even more weight. They're going to release the details. That's the next step. Uh, Jordan's comments came after email service last week, uh, so showing that uh, CIA after acting, acting director Michael Morell explicitly asked his federal, fellow intelligence community officials to sign on to a public statement about the New York Post story on Hunter Biden in an effort to help Biden in the final presidential debate two weeks ahead of the 2020 election. But it was worse than that, you see. <laughs> because the criminality shown in the Hunter Biden laptop, the FBI knew about it. So that's the bigger scandal, that our, our intelligence community and the, and, the, uh, and the DOJ knew that it was real. And that's why so many people need to be fired, uh, indi- arrested, uh, indicted and arrested, put on trail, trial, and spend the rest of their bloody lives in jail. 1,000%, honestly. So uh, uh, the, the, the story, of course, of course uh, written uh, in 2020, implicated Joe Biden and his son Hunter's business dealings based on information obtained during, from the Hunter uh, laptop. Congress and many legacy media outlets would later corroborate the authenticity of the laptop. But October 22nd, my birthday, 2020, <clears throat> Biden relayed on X, relied on ex-Intel officials' letter to dismiss the true story that the FBI knew about. The FBI knew about it. Yeah, Mike Morell also testified to Congress April the 4th in a phone call from now Secretary of State Anthony Blinken. And isn't it funny that Anthony Blinken, the man who is now the Secretary of State, helped the FBI cover up Joe Biden's business dealings with foreign countries. Many of them are enemies. Secretary of State. That sounds like almost a quid pro, pro quo, right, doesn't it? You become the Secretary of State. And Anthony Blinken uh, prompted Morell to draft the statement. Also, they, they got people to sign up. They coordinated with the campaign with how they were going to let it get to the press. They got thanked by the campaign once it was used. Biden acted like it was an organic when it wasn't, according to Jim Jordan. It's true. They deceived the American people two weeks before the most important election we have, which is the election for the president of the United States. That almost sounds like election interference, doesn't it? Yeah. And here's Joe Biden. Uh, he knew he was he was a lie. He he told you Democrat voters. He told you this lie. He knew it was true. He knew it exposed the criminality of his family. And yet he, like the great liar that he is, uh, went after Donald Trump with a lie during the debate. Here it is. They have said that this is has all the care four five former heads of the CIA. Both parties say what he's saying is a bunch of garbage. Yeah. Now, here's what the media did. More than 50 former intelligence officials signed on to a letter yesterday saying that the New York Post story about Hunter Biden's emails has, quote, all of the classic earmarks of a Russian disinformation campaign. This is what the president was just talking about. The letter signatories span four administrations, including the current one, and include... Which show that four generations of the CIA are corrupt Democrats. With former CIA directors John Brennan, Michael Hayden, and Leon Panetta. Yeah. Today, more than 50 former intelligence officers said Trump's phony Hunter Biden scandal has all the classic earmarks... Hey, of is that jo- Joy Reid, the racist who's wrong about everything? ...a Russian information operation. And again, I'm not alone here. 50 high-level intelligence agents, people who have worked in the intelligence agencies, came out and said um, that this is most likely Russian... And the, uh, and the uh, media left it up like a hungry little kitten in a bowl of warm milk. <laughs> wow. 
This, by the way, after the uh, the DHS last year, we found out that they created a Department of Disinformation to shut down all freedom of speech if it were against the government. Isn't that weird how that happens? Isn't that happening? This is a, uh, uh, an editorial from the Washington Post. In 1971, the New York Times printed an internal study the United Nations conducted about our failures in the Vietnam War. These Pentagon papers were leaked by the RAND, uh, a RAND analysis, an, an analyst who had access to the classified documents and gave them to Daniel Ellsberg. For decades, the media held to the Pentagon Papers standard that it didn't matter how information was acquired as long as it was, as it was true. But they made an exception with regard to Hunter Biden's laptop. They said it was was leaked information, so it had no credibility. Yeah, yeah. In 2016, internal emails from the Democrat National Committee were leaked by Russian hackers and widely reported the emails were legitimate. But after Donald Trump was elected, the media panicked. In 2020, a working group at the Aspen Institute included representatives of The Times, The Washington Post, Daily Beast, NPR, content moderators from Facebook and Twitter. They role-played how social media and reporters should react to leaked information. And we'll just use an example. Like if there's maybe some information that is clearly Russian disinformation about Hunter Biden and a Ukrainian gas company. We'll just use that as an example. As revealed by reporter Matt Taibbi, they concluded that the Pentagon paper standard should be scrapped. The press should consider where information came from and decide not to publish even if it was true. And lo and behold, a month before the uh, election, the New York Post published information from Hunter Biden's laptop. The Aspen strategy session came true, and they shut down the story. That's election interference, guys. That's election interference. That in itself. The letter from 51 former intelligence officers that said it could be Russian disinformation was a lie cooked up by the Biden administration. Anthony Blinken from Biden's team called Mike Morell, a former deputy director of the CIA, prompted him to write the letter. Uh, and, of course, uh, they used the talking point during the debate. Yeah. Yeah. Wasn't a denial because there wasn't one. It was a talking point. Hunter Biden and Joe Biden never denied the laptop was true. No. Others didn't even report uh, out the Hunter emails to see if they were true, at least not until more than a year after the, the safely elected. And by the way, even CBS, only like three, four months ago, Catherine Herridge <laughs> mentioned the story. And last year, uh, Matt Gates, Representative Matt Gates, when interviewing the Deputy Secretary for Cybersecurity for the FBI, who claimed he had no idea where the laptop was, Matt Gates introduced it more than a year ago, and they still played this nonsense. They still played this nonsense, and they're still playing it today. Yeah. The only difference uh, with our press now, instead of wanting to become Woodward and Bernstein, they decided to run interference for Barack Obama, Hillary Clinton, and Joe Biden, and it's, and it's true, and it's true. And uh, even <clears throat> former senior FBI agents are sounding the alarm that the Bureau's uh, apparent politicization in a statement sent exclusively to the Daily Caller. It's, quote, we agree privately and uniformly that the FBI is heading in the wrong direction, has been too entrenched in partisan politics, starting from Director Comey. He wrote a book, actually. Did you know that? <clears throat> Jim Cody he wrote a book and intensified under Director Christopher Wray. One agent said on behalf of the group, the retired agents he'd served in the FBI for more than two decades chose to remain anonymous out of fear of retaliation. The agents described themselves as a group of FBI veterans who love the Bureau and worry about its growing role in partisan politics. Quote, 
We identified with Nicole Parker's claim the FBI has become politically weaponized, stating from the top in Washington, trickling down to field offices, illustrated by inflating domestic violent extremism statistics, meaning Trump supporters, CRT parents, uh, directing big tech companies to censor Americans, conducting an unprecedented raid on President Trump's home while suppressing key details related to Hunter Biden's probe, probe, that sounded weird, uh, uh, as disinformation and so on. We have observed firsthand that too many Americans or too many FBI current agents are suffering low morale and too many Americans have lost trust in the FBI. Oh, yeah, that's that's out the window. I remember just even a year ago to, to question the the uh, the FBI was, you know, you, you couldn't believe it. You, you're not supporting the field agents. You don't burn. I said, I said, yeah, I support the field agents. But the the agency has been political since it was founded. It was supposed to get fixed in the 70s during the Church Commission and only doubled down on it. I mean, at this point, honestly, the FBI needs to be defunded, broken up, save the people who aren't corrupt, and then blow out the rest of them. Seriously. The agents celebrated Parker's resignation from the FBI and the courage of FBI whistleblowers Steve Freed, George Hill, Garrett O'Neill, and Kyle Serafin. Parker, an FBI agent from 2010 to 2022, shared her resignation letter in January, testified before the House Judiciary Select Committee on the Weaponization of Federal Government in February. Friend Hill and O'Boyle have also spoken to Weaponization Subcommittee per the Hill. So, yeah, former FBI agents are seeing the writing on the wall. Uh, I'm grateful... I'm grateful to know that this sort of malfeasance existed in the FBI. I'm really, really glad it came out. I think it's disgusting and sickening that they were able to go after, literally go after parents who disagreed with critical race theory being taught in schools in, in Virginia and, and transitioning students. The FBI literally going, fighting against parents, surveilling parents. This after when Joe Biden took office, the FBI saying that white supremacy was our biggest threat. This after calling Trump supporters white supremacists. You see what they're doing? <clears throat> and then, of course, Joe Biden's big speech at uh, Independence Hall last year where he declared half of the nation white supremacists and enemies of democracy. It's almost like the president was working with, with the intelligence agencies to destroy a political movement. Oh, yeah, and they did, and they did. But you see, now we know about it, so we can fight back. Here's the number. It's 800 A little bit more on this and much more on the way. This is The Rob Carson Show. There's only one Rob Carson on the radio. Oh, thank God. It's The Rob Carson Show. Let's do a pole dance, shall we? That's what I'll just call my... Uh, my report on the, the polling data that's out. Is that a good idea? Is it poll dancing? Maybe I've got a little Hunter Biden on the mind. Anyway, <laughs> that's what we should call it. <clears throat> we should call it the poll dance every day because somebody says somebody's going to win, somebody's going to lose, somebody's doing this, somebody's that. And for those of you who don't uh, trust the polls, I'll, I'll just call it the poll dance. So uh, former President Donald Trump gaining uh, support from minorities. What? And uh, Trump and uh, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis, the two uh, top potential Republican candidates, are poised to beat President Biden, spelling trouble for the uh, president. He runs for re-election. This is weird, because I thought he had some uh, some uh, Joe Mintum. I guess I, I was I thought he had Joe Mintum. 
And, and then I saw this morning on Newsmax, the awesome network that I work for, uh, this is a percentage. It's from the Washington Post ABC. Uh, do you think Donald Trump and Joe Biden have the mental sharpness it takes to serve? Uh, Joe Biden, uh, 32% say yes. 63% say no. Uh, Donald Trump, 54% say yes. 43% say no. Uh, by the way, with no evidence whatsoever about uh, Donald Trump's mental fitness, because <clears throat> he even took a cognitive uh, test. That's all political. With Joe Biden, it's every day, you see, that he's a babbling boob. Uh, and then also, this, uh, this uh, poll from ABC Washington Post on Newsmax today shows uh, which candidate would you vote for in the 2024 presidential hypothetical. Uh, and it has uh, Donald Trump winning by seven points. But he can't win, according to uh, Paul Ryan and uh, Fox News. So anyway, Biden losing support from black and Hispanic Americans. Uh, Trump is gaining. Uh, just 52% of black Americans approve of Biden compared to 82% when he, went, when he entered office. That's a pretty uh, precipitous drop. Meanwhile, 27% of black people, 43% of Hispanic people say they would definitely or probably vote for Trump in 2020. What? 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 Hold on a second here. 27% of black people and 40%, 43% of Hispanic people would vote for the orange man ban? Wow! And that's up from 12% of black voters uh, in 2020, 32% of uh, Hispanic voters, which sounds like uh, blacks and Hispanics think Joe Biden's doing a crappy job. And uh, that would be true, actually. I guess that'd be 1,000% true. Yep. Biden's approval rating of 36%. He is the lowest on record for any first-term president. Uh, he's doing worse, are you ready, than Gerald Ford and Jimmy Carter. Yeah, I think that's amazing. Uh, majority of Americans, this according to The Economist and YouGov, say that Donald Trump is the strongest candidate for 2024. I'm just reading the, uh, you know, just reading it here. Just doing the poll dance, as it were. Uh, do you think, the question, uh, do you think Donald Trump is the strongest candidate that Republicans could nominate? Overall, 54% of Republicans, yes, Trump is the strongest candidate. Even more, uh, 2020 voters, 57% agreed that Trump is the strongest candidate. All right, so in the survey, Trump stands as the dominant candidate, leading in double digits over Ron DeSantis, and, that, and that's cool, whatever, whatever. Trump leads DeSantis with a majority of support, 54 to 30. 54 to 30. Ron DeSantis actually was on... Um, was on Newsmax uh, talking to John Bachman, who does a fantastic job. And, and one of the things that Ron DeSantis uh, did, and I, I want to give the guy uh, absolute credit for this, is that he has uh, passed a bill that would punish doctors who perform gender transition surgeries and related procedures on minors, which makes sense because uh, would you allow your child to get a tattoo at age eight? <clears throat> would you buy cigarettes for your nine-year-old? Would you uh, let your... 12-year-old buy a gun? No. But not only are some people willing to allow children to transform to the opposite sex, which is not possible, through uh, mutilative surgery and puberty blockers, but there are medical professionals who will do it. And, and we're going to wake up someday, and those medical professionals are going to have to be drummed out of the field. Because what they've done is absolutely unforgivable. It really is. And if you just back up and look with common sense upon this, what some people are doing to children, we'll wake up and we'll go, wow, wow. 
What did we do? And here is Ron DeSantis talking about that this weekend. That is not health care. That is mutilation. And so when we're standing up against that... And so when we're standing up against that, we're protecting these kids. We had Chloe Cole. We've had other people who, who went through this when they... Sorry were, for the noise in this soundbite, but it was a little low. ...were minors. Now they're older. And it's like the biggest regret of their life. They feel like that they were manipulated. I understand there's some physicians that are very ideological about it. But the fact is, people go through a lot when they're teenagers. Yep. You grow out of it most of the time in these situations. 80, 90 percent yep. resolves by the time you get there. Sweden, these European countries that went down this road have done a big U-turn. They said this is not good uh, uh, medical practice. And so they don't do it anymore. So all we're doing is, is doing what's right. Um, the idea that this would have been something that people would have been, it would have even been controversial, even like 10 years ago, would not have been something that anybody would have said. Anything. Yeah, and because it's not organic at all. It is part of a plan taking advantage of children who have been driven into mental illness by a government that shut them down, shut them up, kept them from their friends. I could go on and on. More on this coming up. It's the Rob Carson Show. Nancy, Joe, Chuck, Bernie, and Mitch in a retirement home. Rest well and rest easy. You deserve it. It's the Rob Carson Show. Wendy Patrick, a prosecutor and radio host on KCBQ Radio, The Answer, is going to join us after the bottom of the hour to talk about uh, Hunter Biden. What's coming on Wednesday? Jim Comer telling the DOJ, do not uh, indict Hunter Biden before Wednesday because uh, uh, big things are going to happen. And uh, you got to kind of wonder if this will be uh, the final straw in the uh, Biden um, corruption. No, it won't. <laughs> Oh, uh, she. We have her actually on the phone right now. I'm told. I, I apologize. I was waiting. Uh, uh, Wendy Patrick, welcome to the Rob Carson Show. Glad to have you on today. Hey, always glad to join you. All right, so let's talk about what's going on this week with uh, Hunter Biden. Uh, Jim Comer saying, "Hold on, DOJ. Big stuff coming on Wednesday. Uh, what do you What do you think's going on, and what do you think's going to happen to the Biden campaign uh, with regard to all of these uh, all of these allegations?" Well, two really important questions. I hope you've allotted me an hour for each of them. <laughs> so <laughs> next next show. I know you're busy today. Go ahead. Yeah, right. Uh, so the Cliff Notes version, you know, this investigation into Hunter um, has been going on for a long time. They've been looking at his taxes. They've been looking at whether or not he was honest when he filled out a form to buy a gun. Um, you know, the fact that it's been going on as long as it does, as long as it has, I mean, we can interpret that one of two ways. First of all, if you're going to charge somebody the first son of all people, the son of the president of the United States, you don't want to swing and miss. If you're a prosecutor's office, you want to make sure you have all the evidence and everything you're going to need. On the other hand, it might also be true that with more investigation comes more facts and circumstances to toss into the analysis to decide whether or not this is something you really want to pursue. You know, there's always a, an yeah. amount of discretion involved in any investigation. Now, how do we know it's coming to an end? Well, we know that because there's been information about the Hunter's lawyers meeting with the prosecutors, et cetera. 
So we'll probably have an answer one way or another, but that doesn't necessarily mean there won't be some sort of a compromise position in the middle. In other words, they may not charge him with absolutely everything under the sun that might fit the elements. It might be something less, or there may not at this time be charges, or it might be deferred, might go to a grand jury. Your second question is probably more interesting politically than legally. What will it do to the president's reelection campaign? Many people would say the answer to that is nothing. Republicans would say it will actually have a significant impact. Remember, there are lots of Republicans that have followed very closely what was going on uh, pre-2020 and thought that has Hunter Biden's laptop not been misclassified as disinformation, that might have made a difference in voters. So, you know, it, it's hard. I think there's a lot of other factors in play regarding what impact it might have on the president. Obviously, he loves his son, and he's made lots of comments to that effect, even though he understands these charges are pending. Um, so I think we're going to be in pretty much the same position tomorrow in trying to decide if they file anything at all how, if at all, will that impact the upcoming campaign? Let me ask you this, because you're certainly more of a legal scholar than I am. Uh, but with regard to the uh, 2020 election and the FBI uh, literally knowing that Hunter Biden's laptop was real in 2019, uh, playing along with this uh, letter signed by Intel officials, uh, which was uh, spurred on by Anthony Blinken, who now is the Secretary of State, using other intelligence officials like Mike Morrell and, uh, and uh, Brennan, um, isn't that election? interference and and wouldn't that i mean because you, you weren't able to say that there was election interference you weren't able to say there was voter fraud the voter fraud was the thing although this isn't voter fraud but wouldn't you say that we had uh elements of the federal government involved in putting their elbow on the scale for a candidate and would not that call into question the election result yeah, you're asking a prosecutor, so I'm unable ethically to comment on a question like that. You're going to have to ask <laughs> okay. a Politico to, to do a job like that. Okay. But okay. I, what, what I will say is let me answer it as a political analyst. When you are viewing evidence and allegations, you've got to find the rest of the story. In other words, we've seen so many different angles come out of the 2020 election. You just aptly mentioned some of them. Uh, does it come from the FBI? Does it come from voting machines and algorithms being changed? All of that has to be investigated. You know what I say as a career prosecutor? Show me the evidence. I have certainly seen a lot of allegations, whether it's thumbs on the scale or officials thumbing their nose at the law. But I want to say I need way more than that to be able to make some sort of a conclusion as to what really went on behind the scenes. You know, the court of public opinion, it's fun to practice law there because you just get to say whatever you want, whatever side of the aisle you're on. But to actually come to a conclusion, even if it sure looks like uh, it's going, the, the, the wind is blowing one way or another, you've got to be able to back it up. And that's important also practically. I'll, I'll add one more layer here. So we've got legally, politically, and practically. It does neither side any good to put forth allegations that sound good, maybe even look good on paper, but then not be able to amass the admissible evidence you need to back it up. Now, you can rest assured that everyone is looking into what the FBI knew and when they knew it. Obviously, they've been looking at that. Sometimes the wheels of justice turn slowly, but like I always say, slowly, 
but surely. So yes. I am optimistic <laughs> at some point we're going to have a good answer. Let me ask you this, and I know you're limited on time because you're very busy, but uh, the Alvin Bragg case, uh, also the FBI raid on Mar-a-Lago, were a really big deal for about a week, and now they're kind of <laughs> eh. What's going on there? Did the, the, the media do what they wanted to do? Was it the, as Rush Limbaugh used to say, a drive-by? What, what, what's going on with all of that? You know, I love that question. You know what I would say what the young kids say? Meh. You know, it's the like we were we were so I mean, that's all it dominated the news cycle. It basically put every political candidate out of business for an entire week as it just blanketed. I mean, the sun was blocked <laughs> by this story. And you're absolutely right. By the next week, it was absolutely yesterday's news, <laughs> both literally and figuratively. And yeah. we've heard almost nothing. Since then, in fact, you know, the, the um, rape trial that's going on against the, the former president has gotten way more press over the last couple of days than this has, than his indictment. I mean, under indict, criminal indictment, it's almost like everybody forgot about it. Wendy, so, as, you know, uh, uh, I'm sorry, go ahead. as a woman, what did you think about Donald Trump saying, eh, she's not my type, about E. Jean Carroll? Oh, you know, Donald Trump is his own worst enemy. He's his own worst enemy. You know, he's very smart, but he's got to learn to stay on message and not go off script. He has really dug himself a hole on so many of those comments throughout the years. Nobody wants to hear that. You know, I'm sure Miliana was just shaking her head, too. So he probably was, too. You know, he doesn't often admit that he's wrong. But, you know, he's got to have somebody in the background just saying, zip it. Answer the question and then period. That is why everybody wants to get him under oath and in deposition and on the stand is because of comments like that. Well, I, I hate to. Uh, uh, I, I thought it was kind of funny actually, because you know. But I'm also a dude, so you know. <laughs> right. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. There you go. <laughs> All right. Hey, Wendy. I I really appreciate you joining me today. It's been a joy. I want to have you on again. Where can people find you? Where can he people hear you? I want to know. Well, I, I got my own radio show uh, today with Dr. Wendy on KCBQ, Saturdays at 6 p.m. Pacific. But, you know, it, all the podcasts and everything else is on, on my website, wendypatrickphd.com. So I'm easy to find. All right. You have a glorious week, and we'll, have, we'll talk again soon. Sounds like a plan. Thank you. All right. Very good. That, that, was, uh, that was pretty cool. See, I'm like going, oh, I loved, I loved uh, Trump saying that. I loved You're not my type. I just thought it was a little what fur. That's just me. That's just me. Oh, 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 you know, I've been talking to you about how we're winning, how common sense is winning, is winning, and it is, and it is. Uh, Washington Post conducted a poll to find out what the American people feel about the inclusion of trans athletes in women's sports. And, and listen, I, as far as the Democrat Party is concerned, double down on it. Go for it, man. Double down on it because the American people realize it's an attack on women. It is psychosexual assault is what I have said. 62% oppose allowing trans athletes in youth sports. 66% oppose trans inclusion in high school sports. 65% oppose trans inclusion in college or professional sports. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? One fan said this is obviously a realistic number, averaging 35% of total insane American population, supporting all woke with Biden's current policies. Great news for the remaining 65% who oppose all of the above. The poll also found strong opposition to the idea of transitioning children because it's, uh, it's Mingalesque, as I like to call it on, uh, on social media. It's Mingalesque, as in Joseph Mingala. Yeah, 1,000% uh, mutilating children. Mingalesque. Just go ahead and quote me. Write it down. Put hashtag Mingalesque. I don't even care. I don't even care. Oh, and, and the Navy even came up. They, they had their own uh, version of Dylan Mulvaney. You knew about this, this, uh, 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 what is it, uh, 
Poppy Harlow. I don't even know that. What is anyway? They came up with their own ver- Harpy Daniels. Harpy Daniels. <laughs> I'm going to tell you just real quick. Any, uh, I know a lot. I've known a lot of gay men, just friends. You know, friends. Uh, you know, friends of ours. You know, and all that. Uh, I don't know of a gay man who would choose the stage name Harpy Daniels. I, re- I really don't. I really don't. But here is the Navy on Friday backpedaling because they didn't want Harpy Daniels to become the Dylan Mulvaney of the Navy. Can you, this, uh, this drag queen recruiting initiative, is that strictly a Navy project? Or are you going to have the other services also get involved? Is there going to be an Army drag queen, Air Force drag queen, that sort of thing? Is it strictly a Navy project? Well, what? I would say first. Well, uh, if you're going to choose a branch to have a drag queen, is this, no, don't go there. I know what you Army people want me to say. I'm at the, the top, just looking at this holistically. <laughs> We are incredibly proud of those who decide to serve, and that's every young American who decides to to serve and to take the oath um, to put their line on the line in defense of our country. Their line on the line. Um, Again, the... The program I believe that you're referring to was the Navy Digital Ambassador Program, which was a pilot outreach effort. It was not a recruiting effort. Uh, for pilot, not not the Air Force. It's something completely different, Democrats. More information on that, I would direct you to the Navy. Um, but this pilot program has concluded, and the Navy is evaluating the program and how it ex- exists in the future. Yeah, there you go. Make the Navy Bud Light, as far as I'm concerned, until they get their act together. This is new from Jim Gossett. He's Harpy the Navy man. Toot, toot. He's a transgender man. Toot, toot. The Navy's new face. Yes, it's a disgrace. They're using a drag queen man. The Navy needs to reboot. They're using him to recruit. A guy in a skirt. Recruitment well hurt. A woman we know's a man go, 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 go. Who's running the Navy man Who came up with this dumb plan A guy in the wig is sure to hurt them big They need a real Navy man Hey, uh, Jim Gossett uh, by the way, uh, Bud Light is facing a new boycott. Gay bars are shutting Anheuser-Busch for not supporting Dylan, Dylan Mulvaney. <laughs> so they're stuck between a rock and a hard place. Well, that's not the best analogy to use. But anyway, conservative beer drinkers blasted Bud Light for uh, partnering with Mulvaney. Now gay bars in Illinois are boycotting Bud Light for not supporting Mulvaney enough. Yeah, the uh, Two Bears Tavern. <clears throat> who owns uh, four LGBTQIA establishments in uh, Chicago, said that all Two Bears Tavern Group bars are discontinuing AB products as the result of uh, Brewer's uh, anti-transgender actions and state. Well, how the hell are they anti-transgender? They got Dylan Mulvaney as a spokesperson, and then after they they've literally dropped lost $7 billion, and they've said something. And now on the other side, it's almost like they're, they're taking it in both ends here. It, I mean, ridiculous, ridiculous. So uh, anyway, so the Two Bears uh, Tavern Group has values of uh, consent is sexy, no racism, no sexism, no ableism, no ageism, no homophobia, no transphobia, no size shaming, and no hate. 
Boy, that just sounds like a great place to hang out, wouldn't it? Wouldn't you just love to walk into a bar that had all those rules on the front door? Uh, you know, when you just want to go there and, I don't know, uh, drink a few beers? Kind of is that. And, oh, and then there also was a big telethon this weekend. Uh, I don't know if you knew about this. Uh, the uh, drag show isn't dangerous telethon. Did you see that? Uh, I will have details on the other side of this break on that. This is the Rob Carson Show. If you're down with trigger warnings, you might want to listen to something else. It's the Rob Carson Show. By the way, tonight at 9 o'clock, Chris Plant debuts a brand new show on uh, Newsmax called Chris Plant, The Right Squad. And a lot of people are turning to Newsmax. And uh, isn't it interesting? I think Newsmax really mirrors kind of the experience a lot of people have as far as um, truth-telling. Newsmax was uh, taken down briefly on a major uh, provider um, and uh, and came back. Newsmax has come back, and uh, Newsmax is um, just doing so amazing. They're the best guests you could possibly imagine on Newsmax and really providing a rock-solid alternative for people looking for truth that uh, Fox used to be with Tucker Carlson. And by the way, if you'd like to vote in our poll about Tucker Carlson, just text the the word event to 39747, 39747. Uh, Ron DeSantis did appear with, uh, with John Bachman over the weekend, and uh, we're talking about the transgender nonsense that's going on there and the fact that uh, Ron DeSantis, they've got a bill there that would punish doctors who perform gender transition surgeries and related procedures on minors. And, and this is going to eventually become the law of the land as uh, America realizes the horror of what... Uh, has been allowed to happen. But here is uh, uh, John Bachman talking to Ron DeSantis over the weekend. Well, I think some of these people are paid to be agitators, quite frankly. Um, but, you know, with me, that has no impact on the idea that if you protest me, that I'm going to, like, trim my sails. No, that just tells me I'm over the target. And He's talking about uh, protesters literally trying to shut down his office. That tells me that the left knows that they're losing, uh, and they have been losing in the state of Florida. I mean, you remember just a few short years ago, we were a, a state that was very evenly divided politically. Uh, last four years, we've really changed that. And so I think some of these paid protests are kind of a result of the fact that they're coming to terms with the fact that they have lost these debates. We have super majorities in the Florida legislature now. And that's sweeping the country, by the way. It is. It is, except for places like California and New York, which are, you know, California's kind of screwed. I'll just say it. California's kind of screwed. If they go ahead with this reparations thing, and if I were, <laughs> if I lived in California, I'd say I'm it done or I'm not paying taxes. You, you decide. By the way, a Cal Berkeley University professor who lived her entire life as a Native American, used it to get prestigious jobs, and uh, she was actually white. Well, sociology professor Elizabeth Hoover confirmed she's uh, not actually Native American, as she claimed her whole life. 300 scholars and Native American actors are calling on her to resign, saying she's a pretendian, using Native American identity for personal gain. And, man, it worked, too. By the way, she got prestigious jobs, grants, fellowships, published books and papers, became a prominent voice in the food sovereignty movement for Native cultures. This is pretty interesting. She's a Karen, man. Total, total, total. Uh, anyway, she uh, apparently, her parents and her sisters were shocked and confused by, by what this means. They, they had no idea. But uh, they were, t and Hoover went on and said, well, basically, I'm a white person who has incorrectly identified as Native my whole life. I have negatively impacted people emotionally and culturally. For this hurt, I, I have caused, I am sorry. 
Uh, Hoover added she's working with the restorative justice facilitators to better understand how members of the UC Berkeley campus community have felt betrayed and, uh, and harmed. And uh, you know what? If, if she can do this by just claiming to be Native American, then, then how are people just able to say, well, if you, if you claim to be a woman, you can compete with men? You see what I got going there? And I would venture to say that if there are people in California who want to get a part of that sweet, sweet reparations action, they should immediately identify as being black. I mean, honestly, they're all built on the same principle. They're all built on lying, falsehood, for gain. That's what it's all about. But uh, it looks like her career is about over. We'll see. And then also, I don't know if you saw this, but apparently Sunday night there was the Drag Isn't Dangerous telethon. I didn't see it. Had Charlize Theron and Melissa McCarthy and Adam Lambert and everybody. And uh, it was on last night. Uh, it didn't make any headlines, so I'm thinking nobody watched it. And I could be wrong. No, I'm pretty much right. It's nonsensical. All right, let's take a break and come back and wrap up this show, shall we? This is The Rob Carson Show. Don't go away. Hey, thanks for joining me, guys. I think you'll enjoy the podcast of the show. Go to Newsmax.com slash listen for details and watch Newsmax tonight. Chris Plant's debut, 9 o'clock Eastern. Don't miss it. God bless you. Till tomorrow. Don't catch a stupid. I'll see you then. Ah, mmm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to Caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at Caskers.com.